So who was in the big top last night? Who heard Adrian speaking? He done a great job opening up this topic of forgiveness amongst other things as well. And obviously he had the whole visual image of the cross at the end, which was, which was really powerful. And so we're going to, this morning I'm going to look at forgiveness. But what I want to try and do is look at our mindset when it comes to forgiveness. What I think the mindset is of probably lots of you and what we almost get taught in popular culture and what I grew up thinking when it came to forgiveness. So we're going to do that this morning. And I said, as that happens, there'll be opportunities, you know, people might pop into your mind through this seminar. As I'm speaking, as Rebecca's going to come up and speak as well, there might be some people, even from last night, that you think, oh, yeah, you know, I need to forgive that person. If Just hold that. Hold that, because there'll be an opportunity to do that at the end. So if I could get the, the next slide up. Who knows Rick Ross? A few of you know Rick Ross. So a couple of years ago, we, we got this photo. Rick Ross dropped an album a couple of years ago called God Forgives, I Don't. Okay, and we, we mentioned this in our stream two years ago. And the reason I pulled it up is because Rick Ross's album, God Forgives, I Don't, that title is the sort of mindset that a lot of us like to think about. This whole idea of like, yeah, you know, God can forgive, but no, that's not me. No, I don't do that. If someone does me wrong, I'm not, what am I going to forgive them for? That's not how I act. And that's often how a lot of us will think when it comes to forgiveness. I know that that's the way that I thought you could have heard me say, like, well, if someone does me wrong, I'm not going to forgive. What am I going to forgive him for? God, maybe God forgives him. That's what he does. But no, that's not me. I'm not going to be forgiving anybody. If he does me wrong, then that's him, in it. But I'm not going to forgive him. And that's often how I hear a lot of people thinking and speaking. And it's basically what popular culture tells us. Now, I run the youth account on, for my Instagram at my church, and I also help run the Rhythm Factory one. So I follow a lot of young people on Instagram. So what, I think we, we spoke about Instagram, do you know what I mean? I've I got my eye on a lot of you on the Instagram, so when you're putting all those things up. And uh, one of my favourite things about Instagram recently is, you know when people, it's usually Drake, right? But you know when people like to put a photo of a celebrity and then like, a quote by that celebrity, like this saying that they've said, and they put it up and they, like, do you know what I mean, put underneath, like, real talk or whatever, and they're like, yeah, this is me. That happens a lot. And there was one that I saw recently when I was preparing this, and it's by Rihanna. And so the next one came up. So I know probably a lot of you like Rihanna. And uh, this is what Rihanna says. She says, don't give them no more chances. They had their turn. Don't give them no more chances. They had their turn. Now, there's probably a lot of you are a fan of Rihanna. You probably like her music. You probably like her latest tune. Some of you asked me to play it in the big top. I said, we're not playing that tune in the big top. We're not going anywhere near that. She's got her money, it's fine. But the thing is with Rihanna, what she's saying there is the message that we continually get in our culture and it's continually preached to us. Don't give them any more chance. They've had their, oh, listen, they had a chance and they mucked up. They've done wrong to you. Don't give them no more chances. No, just leave them. Put them to the, you know I mean? Put them to the side. Kick them out of your circle. Keep your circle tight. It's not about letting people in. And that's the message that we continually get. And that's the way that I've often thought about forgiveness. Thought, you know what, you do me wrong, fine, innit? That's you done. I mean, me and you, I'll, I'll cut you off. And a lot of you will think like that because that's how we get taught to think, especially in popular culture at the minute. And now, I don't know Rihanna personally, I don't know Rick Ross personally. They might be lovely people, but you probably don't hear this a lot. But what you need to understand is that actually Rihanna and Rick Ross are both wrong. They are both wrong. What she's saying there is not right. 
That is not what the Bible teaches. That is not what God teaches. That is not what we've heard in this story of the prodigal son. And actually, it's not what is good for you. The message that you continually get about forgiveness is wrong. And that's one of the reasons that we want to speak on it tonight. Or they spoke on it last night. We want to speak on it again this morning. Because you need to understand that actually, that's not the message that God wants you to hear. That's not what he intended for us. Because imagine if God took that attitude on you. Don't give them no more chances. They had their turn. I would have been done a long time ago. We want to be like God and we want to live our lives in that way. Not like Rick Ross or Rihanna. Rick Ross ain't my role model. And I can tell you that living in God's way, living this way, will not be good for you. Because what you could continually do is harbour up anger. You'll continue to harbour up unforgiveness and bitterness. And you'll cut people off. And you'll sever relationships. And you'll end up being bitter and angry at lots of people that you don't need to be bitter or angry at and it isn't what God intended for you. Let's think about the example that we get in the story of the prodigal son. You've heard it now three days, so I don't even need to tell it to you. You have been here. You know the story very well. But when we think about how does the father react when the son comes back, does the father react like that? When the son comes back into the town, thinks, let me go and be one of his servants. His dad doesn't go up to him, doesn't say, you know what, you've had your chance and stone him back out of the city. Because that's what he was in. That's what he was entitled to do. If the father did that, it would have been okay. If the father said no, drove him out with stones. Yeah, that's what they would have done. The whole town all pick up stones and just keep throwing them at this guy until he leaves the town. That would have been okay. He wouldn't have got in trouble for that. But he doesn't do that. We know what he does. He comes in and he embraces him. And Isaac spoke about it, saying, you know, that he threw him a party with Joloff and Plantain and took Snapchats and all that. That's basically what he done. He threw a big party for him. The father doesn't react like that. And so what we need to try and understand is we need to be more like the father in the story than we do like Rick Ross or Rihanna or anyone else that we think about when it comes to forgiveness. Adrian Holloway yesterday shared some really helpful things about why we can forgive others knowing that we ourselves have been forgiven. We ourselves have been forgiven, therefore we can in turn, forgive others. Jesus told this story, and if you don't know by now, you've probably, you know, you should have realized that the whole story, God is the father in that story. Yeah, it's quite him. God is the father in that story, and the, the younger son and the older son that my brother's going to speak on tomorrow, so I won't touch on him because my brother will talk about that, is us. Yeah, you, you should have clocked that by now. And so Jesus is trying to tell us a story. Part of the reason he tells that story is for a whole load of reasons, but one of them is about forgiveness. And Jesus talks about forgiveness at other times in the Bible. I've got a verse that should come up now from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 18. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, you should know Peter is. Peter comes to Jesus and he says, how many times should I forgive someone when they sin against me? How many times have I got to forgive someone when they keep doing me wrong, when they keep mugging me off, when they keep... Do you know what I mean? Getting on my nerves when they keep doing things time and time again. And I've heard even in my own youth say that. When I'm like, no, no, you just need to chill. And we're like, yeah, but every day this person's coming saying this to me. Like, every day. Like, how many times have I got to let them keep chanting me before I can just say, no, you're done? And that's basically what Peter is saying to Jesus. And Jesus answers him now. He says, how many times? Seven times? Jesus says, no, not seven times. 
77 times. He doesn't mean get your tally chart out and go, oh, when you get to 77, you're done. He's using that a metaphor. No, just as many times as it takes. Just keep on forgiving them time and time and time again. That's basically what he's saying. And so with forgiveness, you'll know that there's small things, yeah, and then there's some bigger things, isn't there? So some of you, when you think about forgiveness, there's some things that are quite insignificant and that you can forgive quickly. If a man, I was going to say if a man steps on your trainers, but that takes me a long time to forgive him. But if a man treads on your trainers, especially if you've got a fresh pair of white Air Force Ones or something like that, then it's war. But if a man treads on your trainers or someone, you know, nicks something out of your tent or someone spills your drink or someone does something small, those things we can forgive quickly. Like you get a little bit angry, you get a little bit vexed quickly and then, you know, an hour later you're fine and it's cool. Those things that we often forgive daily. You get cross at your mate or your parent or your teacher. They're like small things. But there's some things that are a lot harder to forgive, aren't there? There's some things that are like, no, I can't just forgive you that quickly about that. There's some more serious examples, things that have been done to us, things that people have said about us, things that people have you know, done to us, things that have happened to us, relationships that we've had that make it, they're like more serious things. And I want to talk about those a little bit later, but before I do that, what I want to do is invite... My good friend Rebecca up. You would have seen Rebecca uh, hosting with me on the main stage and she's on the Rim Factory team. Make some noise for Rebecca. And um, she's, yeah, she's great. And she's going to come and share with you, I think, just a story, what she's learned about forgiveness and some things that she's pulled out of that. And so over to you, Miss Rebecca Walker. Yes, guys, how you doing? Good, good, good. Yes, as Joe said, I'm Rebecca. Just a little bit about me. I'm 21, proper love Jesus. Um, I'm a recent graduate, and today I'm going to share a story with you that happened to me about three, four years ago during sixth form, um, which was a racist incident, unfortunately. And so I can't really remember like, if it was in my first or my second year of sixth form. And basically, there was a girl. She was of Sri Lankan heritage, um, you know, but she was never really proud of where she came from, you know, quite insecure about the way that she looked and things like that. And, you know, I just, you know we didn't really have a relationship, just be like, you know, hi, how are you doing? Cool. That was it, you know, um, just fleeting um, conversation. Anyway, one day, you know, just walking in the, into our sixth form building and, you know, I'd hear her just be saying some remarks to my friends. Now, my friend is South Korean. She'd be making, you know, racial slurs towards her and I'm saying it to her, you know, basically, if you weren't, um, if, you, if you were like from a, you know, different culture, a different background, she'd just make some sort of slur. Anyway, I would say to her, you know, one day you're going to say it to the wrong person. And, you know, she'd brush it off and be like, ah. And I was like, no, you're going to say it to the wrong person. Anyway, um, one day I was walking into what we call D4, or we call it dummy four. So basically, if you were, you know, not doing very well in your A-levels, that's where you go, sit in front of the teacher for an hour. She'd be checking your work. Anyway, so I go in there. I'm walking towards some of my friends. And this girl goes to me, oh, yeah, look, there's the black girl. You know, I kind of turn around and she's not talking to me kind of thing. Anyway, carry on walking towards her and she says it again. I kind of, you know, turn back being like, this girl cannot be talking to me. And then as I literally approach the table to go speak to my friends, she goes, ah, oh, look at the black girl come to stab me. Now, I was in such shock and disbelief. And I was just like... <laughs> Actually, I wasn't like that at all. I was very angry when we talked about. Um, um, and I was in such shock and disbelief that I literally just left the room and the whole room went silent and I walked out um, to go to my group of friends in a, the next room. And obviously, I was, I was so upset that I told my group of friends 
and it was actually just the worst idea because literally they got super, super hyped. You see how we were on the New Day stage yesterday? That's how they were literally when, when I told them what she said. So I thought about it and I thought, no, that's not the most sensible thing to do. So I kind of just snuck out the room and I went back to this girl. Um, and just to, put it, just to put it quite frank, I literally ripped her to shreds with my words. Cannot remember what I said, but I just remember I got very, very technical with her. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, I'd been saying to her, you know, one day you're going to say it to the wrong person. Little did I know that the wrong person was going to be me. Um, so, yeah. And after the event, um, like, you know, days passed and weeks passed, this girl started to look at me with just such fear in her eyes. Now, I'm a generally, I would say, I'm generally quite a happy person, you know, quite cool. But, you know, never have I really ever exploded at somebody like that. I wouldn't really say I'm a confrontational person. And, you know, we, as we'd cross, you know, walk past, um, sorry, cross paths in the hallway or in, in the sixth home um, common room, she would just look at me with like the fear of God. And, you know, I've just never had anyone look at me like that before. And I'd be like, I just felt so uneasy. Um, and, you know, after a while, like God just greatly challenged me and just of, you know, of her fear of me when she's looking at me um, and just the feeling of just unease that she's looking at me in this way. And um, it just made me realize how much disdain I had for her. You know, I just I had no time for her and stuff. And it also really just reminded me just how much my identity was kind of in like the color of my skin and not so much in Jesus. So one of the scriptures that really just helped me to overcome, because I was really hurt, you know, like we all look different, you know, and we do take a lot of pride in the way that we look and how we come across. So, you know, she hit me somewhere where it was really, where it was really deep. And um, as I was just, you know, in my time of devotional prayer, I was reading Galatians 3.28, and it basically says this. It says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Now, this scripture challenged me so deeply, because obviously, yes, you know, God made me black, just as, you know, he either made you white or Asian, whatever. Um, And, you know, obviously, as that scripture says, he loves everybody regardless of your race or your background or whatever, your gender. Um, and although she wasn't Christian, um, when it says that we are all one in Jesus, it just, that, that end bit of the scripture just got me because it was like, we're all one in Jesus. And the only reason we're all one in Jesus is because of what he did on his cross. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, kind of thing like God. Um, and, you know, like the, as we've been talking about the prodigal son, like him, his identity was in all these other things, you know, um, in like prostitution and drinking, whatever. And like him, you know, my identity, I can wasn't wholly in Jesus, you know, I'd just be like, yeah, it's the way that I look, or my friends, or who I speak, how I speak, sorry, um, and so, you know, it just, that was a kind of like the first process of me trying to be, uh, sorry, the first process of me going through forgiveness, um, so I'm not going to lie, you know, when she, che- when she spoke about my skin color, it took me a long, 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 long time to forgive her, um, I'd often pray, speaking to God about my annoyance of her. Be like, God, why does she exist? Da-da-da-da. You know, her presence just annoys me. Um, also, just like racism in general and just inequality. Um, and I'd ask him, I'd be like, God, yeah, help me to forgive. Help me to forgive her, Lord. I just want to get this feeling and just, you know, be done with it. Um, and I'm not going to lie, you know, after a few prayer sessions, I was like, yeah, I've forgiven her. Cool. That's, that's it. Um, but after a while, I realized I focused too much on the should of forgiveness um, rather, and turning it into a like, mind over matter thing rather than looking in my heart and being like, actually, have I truly forgiven her? Has my disdain and my hurt for her completely gone? And, you know, one of the, one of the biggest reasons that I found it really hard to forgive this girl was pride. And, you know, 
of course, like, you know, like I said before, she attacked something that was so deep to me, which is my skin color, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a black girl, da 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 You know, I'm a proud, of course I'm a proud black girl, but, you know, not to the point where I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that didn't really mean anything, but you get my drift. Um, and, um, and, you know, like as Joe just said about Rick Ross, you know, that God forgives, I don't kind of thing. Not that I had that attitude completely, but just, you know, there was a little bit of that, like, no, God, she attacked something that was that means a lot to me. So, mm, you know, I'll put forgiveness on hold kind of thing. And, you know, like he said, Joe said earlier that, you know, it's, so, it's become such a part of our culture to just be like, yeah, God forgives in it, but I do not. And, you know, sometimes it's seen as like weakness. And I just want to say, like, if you see forgiveness, like forgiving your brother or your sister or whoever's ever hurt you as weakness, as Joe just said, that's the complete wrong attitude. Because we know that in forgiveness, that there's freedom. We know that in forgiveness, there's hope and there's peace in forgiveness. So I've spoken a lot about how I try to forgive her and like move on with my life. But obviously, as I said, I hadn't really forgiven her. I was just like, yeah, I've forgiven you in it, but I hadn't. And um, again, you know, through my devotional time and prayer time, the Holy Spirit just literally brought me back to this cross, literally. And um, I just want to say to you what forgiveness isn't kind of thing. So often we say when somebody's hurt us, we'd be like, yeah, whatever in it. Again, that's another thing in our culture that, as, especially in this generation that we say, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Okay, yeah, it's cool, brush it off. And I want to say to you, be careful not to make light of your hurt by just brushing it off as if it hasn't affected you. Um, you know, if we could forget um, as, and forget it and, you know, try and make people believe that we've forgotten it, um, then that would be great. Forgiveness would be easy, but, you know, forgiveness isn't easy, especially when it's something so deep and so... Um, uh, and, you know, something so deep to us and meaningful to us. Um, another thing that forgiveness isn't is demanding the person who wronged you to change or admit that they're wrong before you've forgiven them. Um, you know, we don't have the power to change people's attitudes and their thought process um, and, you know, to make the person admit that they want. But I want to stress to you here that, you know, forgiveness is not dependent on the other person's participation. I know that sucks, but that's just a reality, in it? You know, um, because, you know, sometimes, more times than enough, you know, when they've hurt you, they've kind of forgotten it. But you hold and you fester it, and that's not good. But actually, like the father and the prodigal son, forgiveness has less to do with the offender, so the person who wronged you, and to do with the person who was offended. Um, and, you know, as um, like Emma and Isaac spoke about um, a couple of days ago, and Ben said, um, when the, um, the prodigal son asked the father um, for his inheritance, it was to wish him dead. But then, you know, when he realized that he'd squandered all his money and, you know, he was like, oh, you know, he was chilling with the pigs. And he came back, he was like, maybe I'll go back to my father. His father saw him on the horizon line and ran to him. And you see how the father kind of overcame just his disappointment and his anger through forgiveness. He was able to run to his son who, um, who did him wrong and was able to embrace him and hug him and kiss him and throw him a wicked party. Um, Another scripture that really helped me to get over this girl who just hurt me, you know, was Matthew 6, 12. And it's part of the Lord's Prayer. You all know the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, cool. And it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And verse 14 goes on to say, for if you forgive other people when they sin against, your he- sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive your other sins, your father in heaven will not forgive you. I was like, God, boy, you're like, you know, what do you mean you're not going to forgive me if I don't forgive this person? And, you know, it was really hard, you know, another thing that challenged me deeply, be like, wait, so you're telling me this girl who just attacked me, attacked me and, you know, because of my, the way that I looked, 
you're saying, I have to forgive her. And I read this because if I don't forgive her, you're not going to forgive me. Um, now, obviously, we know that Jesus has forgiven us. And, I, you know, it's not that straight, like, oh, yeah, God's not going to forgive you. But it's the principle that, you know, to forgive someone, to let, you know, to let it go and to get on and to move on with your life. Now, um, obviously, the, great, the Lord's Prayer, I think, is a, is a plea of grace. And when I read the Lord's Prayer, I just kept reading it over and over again, that verse 12 bit. And it just literally just, God just reminded me that, you know, yeah, this girl hurt me. Yeah, she hurt me really deep. But actually, I need to be merciful and gracious to her because Jesus was merciful and gracious to me. Um, so, and it was so costly. Um, so after I had kind of, you know, really like given it to God and really um, in my devotional time, really been like, God, I really want to forgive this girl. And I really, I really want to be set free from the hurt that I feel. Um, which I was, by the way, I just want to say I have forgiven her. Um, you know, it was, um, it just made me reevaluate what my identity is in. And like I said, yes, you know, obviously I am black. I am female. I'm 21. I'm a Spurs supporter. Um, but, <laughs> um, but my identity is not in those things. And, you know, obviously I've been a Christian for a while, but, um, you know, Jesus kind of just always been like, oh yeah, Jesus, yeah, you know, oh yeah, Jesus. But I was like, no, but this is what makes me. But I want to say right now, my identity is holy and securely in Jesus. And you know, when your, your identity is in Jesus, it not only speaks of who you are, but obviously of who you are becoming. So, you know, Jesus says, you know, every day he's renewing us to be more like him, to shape, to shape us to be more like him. And I think that's so awesome. Um, now, just quickly, I'm going to tell you what forgiveness is. Um, Forgiveness is a choice, um, and it isn't a feeling. As Adrian said yesterday, it isn't emotion. It's a choice, um, and it's a choice that stops the cycle of blame and hurt. Um, also, forgiveness is a process. No one's going to say like it's not an instantaneous thing. So it doesn't just happen overnight. It's a long process. It can be a long process, or it can be a shorter process. But it is definitely a process. And I think in the process, you really need to learn to exercise patience, not only with yourself but with the person who um, hurt you. Um, Forgiveness is incredibly costly, I think. And I think you must be willing to let go, sorry, um, especially to the one, as I said earlier, um, who's having to forgive the wrongdoer. Now, I want to stress to you, like Jesus and the cross, I think so sometimes, so often, when we talk about Jesus, we'll be like, yeah, Jesus, thank you, you've forgiven us, forgiven me, I'm cool. And, you know, you just kind of move on. But I want to like, say to you, actually, how costly it was for Jesus um, to, to leave his glory, to leave his majesty, to come and die for you, 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 everybody in this room, everybody in the world. And, you know, how much he gave up just to, so that we could be in relationship with the Father. I mean, that is a big, 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 big deal. And, you know, just to think that what he went through, you know, the wounds and the nails in his feet, like, I was like, what? Jesus, that's you, you know? And so with um, this, you know, with this girl, it just moved, when the Holy Spirit brought me back to the cross, and, you know, I just had a really vivid picture of what Jesus looked like, what he did, so I could be forgiven, and so I can go forgive the girl who, who wronged me. Um, and, you know, when you forgive the person who wrongs you, it not only frees the, pers- the debtor, but it, for- it frees you, the person who has been offended. Um, and this can only be done through the Holy Spirit. Like I said before, it's not a mind over matter thing. It's, it's you know, giving it to God and it's making the choice that you want to um, let it go. And lastly, forgiveness can be difficult, but it's, uh, but it's so incredibly humbling. You must be willing to let go of your anger and you're right for like vengeance. You have to come before God. You know, if you have to plead, be on your knees, cry out, be like, God, help me to forgive this person. So you can be set free. That's what you need to do. So yeah.
Thanks, Rebecca. So, you heard some of Rebecca's story, um, which is good. Just to close, I'm just going to... So I'm going to share a little bit about my own story and how I've come to forgive others as well. I think it might be quite helpful at times. And so I grew up in a home where we weren't Christians initially uh, in South East London, in a little place called Downham. And so um, we grew up there. And some of my earliest memories, I guess, of my mum and dad, our dad was an alcoholic growing up. And some of my earliest memories of my dad were, were basically him and my, my mum arguing I think my mum like throwing, it's quite funny, I can vividly remember my mum like throwing a plate at my dad and like throwing china and that at him and then he would storm out and um, them just having massive arguments and our dad would, would go off and disappear for a couple of days and we, and we wouldn't be able to find him and uh, we, we wouldn't really know where he was. And so we would often, me and my brother and sister, I'm the youngest of three, we would spend a lot of evenings in the car with our mum, like driving around the streets of South East London, going to the different pubs, to see if our dad was there, we'd have to go in and see if our old man was in the pub. Or we would sometimes we'd maybe find him wandering around the street and uh, we'd, you know, we'd get him back in the car and we'd come home. And it was, it was difficult and it was strange because what was the strangest thing about it, I now realise, is that I thought that was completely normal. I thought that was just completely normal because in the friendship group that I had at school, there was about nine or ten of us boys and... Uh, I think there was me and one other whose mum and dad were actually together. So there was me, and it was my best mate at the time, Ben. Emily's mum were still together, and so were mine. But everyone else's parents were just single. Everyone else's dads weren't even about. They didn't even know their dads, or their dads had, had left them at some point. And so we just thought, I can remember, I just thought I was quite fortunate that my dad was even around. So it was like, I would never be like, oh, it was just like, oh yeah, well at least my dad is about, even if he wasn't the nicest man to be, a, to be around. And was, was quite, you know, verbally aggressive at times and would just often, there would just be quite a lot of strife in the home, I guess, is probably the best way to say it. And you might have heard my brother speak a little bit about that last year. My brother came and he, and he shared some stuff. And I guess, anyway, in my teenage years, okay, I got involved in church. So when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, I really started to get stuck in at church. I started going to King's Church in Catford when I was, yeah, when I was about 15 and uh, it was when I went there, okay, that I realised, I started to see that other people's dads weren't like mine. I was in the church and I started to see that there was lots of other people's dads and even my youth leaders that were dads. That I was like, right, these men are acting like a dad. Maybe should, the way that they, you know, they, my youth group, my mates got to speak to stuff about church with their dad. They weren't verbally aggressive from what I've seen. They didn't give them hard time. They didn't used to shout and swear at them. They weren't coming home drunk. And so I started to realise, like, right, this isn't what a dad is supposed to be like when I was about 15, 16, I guess. And so, you know, I carried on going and we saw how other people were. And although my, my childhood years, they were actually good years. I don't want to, to paint an image that, you know, I had some horrific childhood because actually I did have a good childhood. Better than a lot of my friends, I would say. A lot of my friends had it far worse than I did. And there's probably a lot of people here have had it worse than I did but it wasn't it wasn't always pleasant and our relationship with our dad wasn't always pleasant especially for my older brother and so at times you know all the times that we begged our dad to stop drinking all the times we would try and sit in front of the front door to stop him leaving the house you know all of the times we would beg him don't don't go out and he would all of those times growing up they built up a, a, a resentment I started to resent my dad I, 
especially when I started to see what other dads were like, I started to look back at my childhood and I started to be angry at my dad and cross at him the way that he was. It, it, it was frustrating. And so, like I said, I was 15 or 16. Now, I didn't hate him, but there was just lots of pain and hurt. And so I came to this youth event. Okay, I came to, fast forward to New Day 2009. Okay, so I was 16. Those of you that are quick will work out how old I am now. So I was 16 in New Day 2009, and I, and I came along with King's Church for the first time. And Steph Liston done a preach in the big top, not too dissimilar to Adrian's talk last night. Okay, he was talking about forgiveness. He was talking about what it means to forgive. He was talking about what happens when we harbour up anger and unforgiveness and the weight of unforgiveness that we can carry around with us. And as he was talking, I just knew that was me. I knew straight away, I was thinking, yeah, I've been carrying this thing around, this anger, this bitterness, this resentment. I was going to church and things with my dad had actually started to improve. The year before, he, he started to you know, get better. He wasn't drinking as much. He wasn't as bad as he was when we were younger. But there was no way I had forgiven him. There was still this stuff inside of me. And so Steph Liston got up and preached that. And then he then went on and spoke about fathers in that talk. He went on speaking about, you know, forgiving, specifically forgiving fathers. And in that moment, I was like, I had to get up and walk out of the big top. I don't know if other people were like that. I thought I was about to cry. I thought, I can't let my youth see me cry. I'm 16. I'm a bad man. No one's seen me cry. I thought I was a bad man. I wasn't a bad man. So I was like 16. So I got up and, and walked out the tent. And my youth pastor, a guy called Nicholas Ferguson... Who, um, who's actually here this week, he, he clocked me walking out and he followed me and through a long conversation with him with some tears and some real painful conversation, uh, we, we spoke about my dad and we, it all came up and we spoke for about an hour and a half, two hours just talking about all of this stuff. We were sat on the field just over there and, uh, and I ended up coming to a place where I could say, yeah, I, I forgave my dad on that evening. And so I, I went back home to South East London and, and I, I told my dad, I went around, when I got home, I said, dad, I need to speak to you. And he said, okay, and, and we sat down and I said, I forgive him. And he, he, it was quite powerful for him to hear that, I think. He didn't really know how to react when I said that. I, don't, I think I caught him off guard a little bit. You know, his son's come back from Jesus camp all of a sudden and telling him that he forgives him. He was a little bit like, oh, I don't really know how to deal with this sort of thing. I think I was a bit too mature for him. But I told him I forgive him. And in that moment, it was like this weight had just been lifted. This massive weight, this thing that I'd been carrying around with me for a long time had been lifted. I no longer felt the way that I felt against my dad. And it doesn't mean that I'd forgotten about all of those things that had happened in our childhood. It doesn't mean that that was all done. Oh, we, let's just forget about all of it. But it meant actually I, I, I forgave him. And actually, even as I was preparing this, I feel like there's some young people in here who need to forgive their dads. Or their mums. I feel like there's people in here this, this morning who, when I'm, when I'm speaking about my relationship with my dad, you're thinking about your relationship with your dad, or maybe your dad isn't around and you've never had a relationship with him. I think, you know, young people, youth leaders, whoever you are, you might be thinking, oh, yeah, my, the way that my relationship was, I need to forgive him. Well, I've never even met him, but I'm angry at him because of that, and actually, I, I need to forgive him. I, I've not ever forgiven him for that, or your mum even. And so there's going to be some opportunity to end to do that. But I feel like as I was talking about my dad, actually there's going to be some of that this morning. And 
When I wanted to share this story with you, I actually went and spoke to my dad about it first. Because I thought, Dad, listen, there's going to be quite a few people there. It might go online. I don't want to expose you. I'm going to chat about it. Is that okay? And, and he said, yes, that's fine. And the reason he said that is because I, I want to make it clear now that since that has happened, okay, my dad now is a completely different man. So he comes to my church, and he's actually quite an incredible man now. He's, since then, he's stopped drinking in previous years. He's now a Christian. He comes to church. He's a very inspiring man. Me, my brother and sister, all have great relationship with him. My brother actually probably hated my dad more than I did when we was growing up. He, he had a worse relationship with him. And you might have heard him share last year that he actually had a son. So when my brother was 18, he literally hated my dad. He didn't want to speak to him. And my brother recently had a son who's about, I think, about 18 months, a little bit older. And then the middle name of my brother's son, his first name's Jonah, but his second name is Graham after our dad. So it's got to the point where God has restored our family and our relationship so much. God has done so much in my heart, in my brother's heart, in our dad, that actually we're now like three best pals. We're quite tight. We go to West Ham together, West Ham best team in London. We, uh, we, we, we hang out and actually God has done some amazing things in our life because he restores and he heals and he mends the broken. That is what God does. That is part of who he is and that is what he's done in my life. And so now me and my dad, we're tight. And yet, he still did that stuff, and he knows he did, and he holds his hands up, and he's apologized many times. But he's forgiven. God's forgiven him, certainly. He's turned around, he's forgiven before God, and he's forgiven by me, forgiven by my brother and my sister and my mum. And his life has changed around. Now, as I say that, it's amazing for my family. I know that isn't going to be the case for some of you. Some of the people you need to forgive aren't going to be Christians. Some of the people you forgive aren't going to end up coming to church and, you know, your, or your family, they're not Christians. That might not be the story for you. We pray that it is. But in the same way, God still needs to address that stuff and help you to forgive some people. And we need to do that today. Some things that have been done years ago. There's a lie, isn't there, when we hear about forgiveness. When we talk about forgiveness, there's a common lie. This, this line that you hear of time is a healer. This whole idea of like, you know what, that happened to me. I'll just put it to the back of my mind. I'll just put it down. Time's a healer. Over time, you'll feel better. It's okay. Over time. Give it some time. You'll be all right. Time isn't a healer. God is a healer. Time just pushes things down deeper and deeper and deeper, so it becomes more of who you are, this bitterness and this anger and this weight. It becomes more of who you are as a person. Your identity gets wrapped up in this unforgiveness. And it affects the way you think and how you enter into relationships with others or how you react with other people. It, it, it eats away at you. And then when it comes up, it's even more painful because it's, it's buried right down in who you are. Time isn't a healer. God is a healer. Only God will heal us. Only God can restore our hearts. Only God can really bring us to a place of forgiveness. And so like I said, me and my dad, we're, we're tight. I forgave him with tears in my eyes. And the reason I could do that is because I knew that God had forgiven me. That because of Jesus, because of the cross, that I am first forgiven. We see it in the story all through the week. Because I was forgiven, I can forgive others. And it's the same for you because you are forgiven. Because Jesus looks at you and he doesn't see your mess. He sees his righteousness. 
you are forgiven that you can forgive others. And what Rebecca mentioned earlier, I'm going to say it again, that forgiveness is it's not a feeling. I remember my brother saying that to me. My brother, had a, my brother spoke to me about it. He said, the forgiveness isn't a feeling. You're not going to wake up in the morning suddenly thinking, oh, yeah, great, I forgive him. My dad is great. I'm going to skip around my bedroom. It's never going to happen like that. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It's, it is a choice. It's a choice that you have to make. You say, no, I decided, no, I'm going to forgive my dad, and that was painful. And there's some people here that you're like, I need to forgive that person for what they did to me, or for how they treated me, or for how they spoke about me, or for what, what they made me do, or how they made me look, or how they made me feel. You have to decide, no, I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to make the choice today before God in Christ, I will forgive them. Don't just wait for it to happen in this supernatural feeling, because it won't happen and before I close we're gonna, we, we are going to have an opportunity just to respond in a little bit time of worship I just want to quickly touch on one last thing as well about self forgiveness because I feel that as I was preparing that God wants to not only get us to forgive some people this morning because I know that there's people here that are thinking of people yeah I need to forgive that person but also there's some self forgiveness that needs to happen in here today there's some people I was even been thinking about when Emma was speaking about the whole Instagram and Snapchat thing. There's probably some people here that have done some things that are inappropriate on those things. Photos that they've sent, photos that they've had sent to them, things that they've done, things that you feel shameful about, things that you're, you're, you're like, oh, I'm really ashamed of what I've done with that boy or what I've done with that girl or how I acted in that way or what I did there. I couldn't tell anyone about that because it's, it's horrible and it's shameful. And actually, you've not even forgiven yourself. And God wants to, even now, still, God wants to still do some stuff this morning. So, no, you are forgiven. There is no shame or condemnation. You need to know that. You can approach the throne of God. God is seated on the throne. Yeah, you can approach it. You can approach the cross in the same way that the son in that story approaches the father. The son approaches the father full of shame and the father runs out and he greets him. And that's what will happen this morning. The father will run and he will grab you and he will greet you. I'm going to ask Jude to come up. Jude's going to come and lead us. And what I want us to do actually is I think I'm going to, I'm going to get us to stand in a minute and we're going to sing a, a quite familiar song that Jude will lead us in. And, and as he sings that, you probably just sing that over us. What I want you to do is, if there's someone that you know, even last night, I feel like there were some of you that have written a name down on a piece of paper last night. You wrote that name down, you put it in the cross, and that was great. But you haven't forgiven that person. You've done the first part, you've written the name down, you know who it is, but actually you haven't really forgiven that person. When you think of that person, you're not like, oh yeah, they're forgiven, there's still something in there. And God wants to release that this morning. And there's some others that didn't write someone's name down or there's somebody else. And so as we sing this song, I want you just to think about who it is you might need to forgive. If there is somebody. Or maybe your attitude on forgiveness. Or maybe if you still need to forgive yourself. And so as Jude does that, you can have a moment between you and God. And you can think of that. And then we'll have an opportunity to respond and pray through some stuff. And we'll see what God does. So I'm going to ask you all just to stand and remain quiet as we do that. Let's not, do you know what I mean, get distracted and kill the vibe or leave. Let's all just stand quietly.
And I'm going to hand over to Jude. 